If you want to hear all about us and, and what's happening on an ongoing basis, you can look up a website called bridgesbeyond.org. Uh, there's a connection through the Calvary website that will bring you there. And then if you look at currently things that are happening with Jean-Paul Seneza, who was here for a few years, and Ambassadors Football, then you'll see current events, their updates posted there. So that's what I'll tell you about that. Um, Lord willing, on Tuesday morning, I'm getting a COVID test. So Lord willing, on Wednesday morning, I'm going to hop on a plane to Rwanda. And most of you don't know that. It was a surprise to me last week too. But anyway, <clears throat> Lynn will be staying here. And that'll be not good because over there, when I get invited to something and Lynn doesn't come with me, they say, where's Lynn? Well, so, well you said, Dave, will you come? He says, well, there's no Dave without Lynn. It's, it doesn't work. So, but for a week, I'm going with John Ortlip, who's the president and founder of Ambassadors Football, and we're hoping to uh, make some arrangements for a property to develop a, a leadership resource training center to disciple children and people in the nation using football, which we all know is soccer. And our Canadian women won something this last week. Anybody know what that was? I got to wear a Canada scarf all the way to Rwanda just to celebrate that, you know. So anyway, that's that's whatever. God uses us where he wants. And, and the question I have discovered in life is not so much hearing God as it is obeying God. And I understand there's a lot of people who say we got to learn how to hear God. And I understand that. But my battle has been with obeying what I hear. And so wherever you're at on that. So Matt says about relationships. And last spoke last week about the family of God. God's kingdom. God's kingdom come. When Jesus came, he says his kingdom has come. And we need to pray his kingdom come, his will be done. Uh, Greg preached the week before and he brought his daughters up and he says, I hope there's somebody here who, who God has put on their heart to marry them, but just, you know, you got to come through Greg to get to his daughters. I love that. I, I, I just love that, that we need more, more men like that and more daughters like that, that are worthy of that call. So I celebrate it with you. I look forward to being at the wedding. Uh, that'll be some celebration. And it's about relationships. I also want to thank you. Uh, last 10 days or so, there's an invitation that went out someplace that said there's a need in Rwanda for some basic humanitarian work for food. And I don't know who responded and, and by how much you responded, but I know it came to over $4,000, which has been sent to Rwanda. And uh, because in the country of Rwanda, where there's many people who live in the rural areas, and in lockdown, they have no fridge, they have no pantry, and so when they say stay at home, and they have no way of earning any food, so there's people starving. And part of the relationship we have, ongoing with John Paul and some people there, is we can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. And so we're very, very grateful, because when we go, uh, the money goes and buys foods and distributors, and there will be reports on all those things that happen. But I just want to say how grateful we are. Uh, because when we get, we, I, I often said in Rwanda, what difference does it make? And he says, when, when the people talk about you coming and they say, oh, this is the guy. Remember, you guys got some help. I don't say those things, but they say to each other, this came through them. This, okay, but then we'll listen to him. 
then we'll listen to him. And so we can't help everybody or save everybody, but you've got to help somebody. So I say thank you, okay? And we're talking today about relationships. And the point of everything is relationships. And whatever you and I go through is to be on display for the world to see. The world needs to see who God is and who we are in Him. So if you go through difficulty and struggles and trials, the world is watching to see how you respond. And from there is judging and evaluating our God. And for many parts, the world has deemed that they don't love our God or worship our God because they don't like how we treat them and how we behave with each other. And Scripture tells us the world should look at us and say, wow, how those people love each other. Look at how they love each other. That they'll see us as husbands and wives and couples, and they'll say about us, they sure love each other. It's just so good to have them around. And then when we we come across uh, indigenous people, people of color, we accept them as people. And we honor and respect them with dignity. And we speak truthfully. And then they will say of us, as they have said to my wife and me, your family. Uh, he says, why do you call us family? What is it that makes you say we are family? And you say, you love us. We know you love us. That's family. And so this is the picture God has for the world, to show the world who He is and how much He love us, loves us. And it all comes through relationship. And it begins with who my Father is, our identity. I have a spiritual Father. His name is God. He is my spiritual Father. He never disappoints me. He never lets me down. I have a brother, an older brother. I have one older brother who I share a mother with. We went to visit him in BC 10 days ago. He's struggling with leukemia. And I says, I've got to go be with him. And he's a successful businessman in many things. And we sat there and he says, you know something? Family is what matters. Relationships. Nothing else matters. He's right. But I have another father. He is in heaven. God my father. And I have an older brother. His name is Jesus Christ. And my older brother gave his life for me. So that I could have a free relationship with my father. In heaven. That's this world we live in. And so then my wife is my wife, but she's my sister. In Christ, she's my sister. Yes, I'm her husband, but we are together, brother and sister in Christ. There's no this or this. It is this. And in this world we live in, the struggle is always about who's here and who's there. What's your position, your title? When I came up here to speak, a lot of you sitting here, who is this guy? Why should we listen to him? What position does he have? What title does he have? Who is he? And I'm, I'm a brother who loves you and prays for you. That's who I am. 
So we're talking about relationships. And you want to go to the next slide here in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Who's the them? Who was having an argument or a debate? Jesus Christ was one of them. Now, typically you don't see him as disputing with people or others, but he was. And what was the dispute? The leaders were disputing with him and arguing with him about what it meant to be in God's kingdom. Because they had determined what it meant to be in God's kingdom. You, you wore your clothes, a certain kind of clothes, a certain kind of way. You did this, you didn't do that. Everything was about rules in God's kingdom. Do this, don't do that, and then you'll be in God's kingdom. And the other thing is they completely ignored the command to love. They didn't love, they used. We are to love each other, not to use each other. And they ignored those commands. And so there's a bit of a discussion, a debate, as you can well imagine. And they're trying to convince Jesus that he's got to speak on their behalf. You know, you've got to reinforce these things. And they were all about what position do you have? What are you called? Who is honored among you? And the thing that blew all their fuses is that Jesus was not a respecter of those persons. He says in Mark 12, 14, they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one. You are not partial to any, but teach the way of truth in God. What do you do with a guy like that? Who says what God says, the Father. Doesn't care who you are or what you are. He understands who he is. He's a son of God. He understands the authority he has from God. He knows where he's come from and where he's going. And he's determined to love people. And people are determined to use him for their advantage. Years ago, I loved a song. I played it over and over again by Misty Edwards called What Does Love Look Like? And it said, arms wide open. Heart exposed, bleeding, sometimes bleeding. What does love look like? God says, I want you to love each other. And so much of what we do in life is about using each other. And we love, and people have said sometimes, Dave, you trust too much. You, you make yourself vulnerable. And I said, I look at it and I go, I don't have a choice. I have to. I want to. I don't like who I become when I don't trust. But you're going to get hurt. Guaranteed. You're going to get annihilated. Guaranteed. Arms wide open. Heart exposed. Bleeding. That's what love looks like. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing, them being Jesus with other people there, with one another. And seeing that he, that is Jesus, had answered them well, he asked him. So he observed, Jesus, you, had a, you, you gave a good answer. <laughs> good on you, Jesus. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a question, he says. 
which commandment is the most important of all? Now that to me seems like a good question. When you have all these rules and all these commandments and you're debating about what they they are, which is most important. And and so they ask him now. So years ago, my wife and I were youth leaders. So here's a little cue for any upcoming youth leader on uh, a way you might approach. Because youth come to you and say, can I do this? Can I do that? Is this right? Is this wrong? And they forever want to know. People seem to want to know that all the time. And so our counsel to them was, do as you please. Okay, youth, do as you please. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself and then do as you please. Have at her. And so then the debate would come about, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's start with how to interpret the law. Do you love the Lord your God? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Then do you as you please. That's the issue. Every single law, every rule, and Jesus says that. Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now every Jew for all time has twice a day recited those words. To this day, they still do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That's how we are to love God. No strings attached. We're all in. Nothing left behind. And the second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, I've often read these and heard these and preached these, this whole thing, and not, I'm getting a, to a different understanding of it. I'm probably late to the game of gaining this kind of understanding. You're probably all there already, which wouldn't surprise me at all. But what Jesus is saying, you love people differently from how you love God the Father. You love people differently from how you love God the Father. See, I've heard of people who as children had their biological father mistreat them and abuse them and not be respectful to them. And so they have this huge father void in their heart. Now they go looking to fill it and they try to find it wherever. Different people, different relationships, stuff. They come to the church, then we say to them, I'll be your spiritual father. And we try to fill the void. And the truth is, we can't. And we were never intended to. But as a brother or a sister, we can come alongside that person. We can say, I know that pain and that void. Did you know we have a father? who will never disappoint you, who loves you and cares for you and wants you to know who you are in him. Then they'll say, will you be my father? 
You say, I will be your older brother. And why don't we together go to the Father? And let's see what happens. But what happens is we, we look to people to fill something that people can't fill. And so then, as a result, because we look to people to fill things that they can't fill, and they disappoint us, always, that happens. You have a pastor, he loves you and cares for you, but you have dreams and visions of what you want to do in the church, and your pastor doesn't support you and push you along, and you say, ah, he's failed me. You have a vision to help some people in some way, and the pastor doesn't rise up to be there in your corner, and then you're disappointed. Then we have pastors who are outright abusive. We have stories and over and over again of pastors and big spiritual leaders who have all kinds of weird, strange relationships hidden. And we discover them, we go, wow, I had so much faith in you and trust in you. We have pastors who love to stand in the place of God and say, I will be your father. Who love to say to young women who are struggling, come, let me hold you and comfort you. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Greg has some daughters he can hold and hug and comfort. Only Greg has that place with those daughters. And only with his daughters. Not your daughters. His daughters. That's the place. But we're so empty and we're so weary that we want to be filled. We want to be held. And God says, I will be that for you. Then we have, we have needs, right? Oh, I need this, I need that. And, and we know somebody maybe that has the thing or has money or has something. And, and so we go and we go and, and we beg and we figure out ways of getting money from people and stuff. And God the Father says, everything is mine. Everything, 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 everything. All the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything, all the gold, all the silver. Everything is mine, my son, my daughter. Everything is mine but we want to wrestle it from somebody else. We want to use somebody. And, and so rather than asking our Father, and our Father speaks to us and He speaks to those people who He's entrusted something to. Each of us has been entrusted with something. Somebody, I've heard people and probably myself used to say, well, if all the billionaires would do this, then it'd be better. God says, great, are you, are you a billionaire? No. Okay, what are you? What are you doing with what I've entrusted to you? That's the question. That's the question. What are you doing? All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Well, there's something I used to say to people in pre-marriage counseling and in marriage in distress and crisis counseling and in all those things. And just so we're clear, I think every mistake in the book, okay, every wrong thing in the book that you can think of, I have done. 
I have done. I'm not telling you this because I read it in a book someplace. We, after 10 years of marriage, my wife says, Dave, life without you can't be worse than it is with you. I was the main elder in the church, worship leader, youth leader, choir, everything. Life without you can't be worse than it is with you. I heard my sons, grade one and two, say to each other, if I ever get married, I'm not going to treat my wife the way dad treats mom. I have been judging, judgy, judgy, judgmental and condemning and poking. I have been controlling and manipulative. All those things. I know these things. Not because I read them in a book. I have read them in a book. But I've tried them all. And Jesus said, I can see that you are all very tired. Why don't you try it my way? You have a father who loves you and will tell you what to do. The question is, will you do it? Our job is to be truthful every day. Every day we mess up and sin. No, we we consider we don't because we consider sin an action or something we do. And Jesus says, I consider sin a thought or an intent. Wow. And he says, if you are truthful, if you be truthful with me, I'm going to change you. What are your thoughts? What are your intents? I've learned something in in this process. One of them about exercise. And I found something interesting. If I want to go for a walk or a bike ride, and I'm not sure how far I want to walk or where I want to go, it's very hard to go anywhere. Because to, to decide as I go, I just want to sit on the couch and have another bag of chips. But as I think about it ahead of time, I think I'm going to go there and there and there and there. I'm going to put on the the worship music and sing and pray. I'm going to pray. Walk and pray, bike and pray. That's what I'm going to do. And then I discover all of a sudden I I can go. I got some go in me. It starts with that first step. And so for me, it's part of honoring God in every respect. Listening to Him. By God's grace, I can still move around. I'm getting to be an old man. I'm 68. Right? Yeah. And this last week, weekend, we celebrated 47 years of marriage. My sons hugged me and kissed me and said, sure love you, Dad. My grandsons, 15-year-old twins, they came, can we be with you? They came to stay with us for a week. What do you want to do? We just want to be. We just want to be. I visited my brother in Vancouver. Somebody asked, what do you want to do? We both said, we just want to be. Just be together. We repent of using and start loving. When we go to Rwanda, I miss those people so dearly. So I want to be with them. 
when we're there, we miss you dearly. We just want to be with you. And Satan doesn't want us to be together. The ultimate pain I can inflict on you is to turn my back on you. That's a lot worse than hitting you. That's a lot worse than hitting you. At 10 years, when my wife said those words to me, I had a crisis. What am I going to do? And I, the Lord showed me, if you turn your back on your wife and on your sons, your word is nothing. But if you are honest with me and bring me everything that is broken and watch what I want to do with you. And so I can have a testimony. Wherever you are in your relationships, and they're not working and they're broken. broken. We have a father who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and me so we could be together. And if we will go to him, he will bring you together. Why would he not? He gave his son so this could happen. So what can he withhold after that? There's nothing left to withhold. And our problem is we try to negotiate with God and debate, well, is this really bad? What's your role? What's my role? What's your responsibility? My responsibility? No. Love the Lord your God absolutely unconditionally and your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor, it works like this. I judge me by my intentions. But typically I judge you by your actions. That's not how God wants us to do it. So when my wife says, Dave, when is garbage day? You're going to Rwanda on Wednesday. When is garbage day? Because it's your day, your job to put out garbage. I, says, I think it's Tuesday. So she's good. You can put the garbage out before you go on Wednesday. And so when I come back from Rwanda, if there's a strange smell that meets us in the garage as we get home, and I might say, what is that? And she will say, it's the garbage. I thought you were going to take it out. I said, well, and then I can say, well, I intended to. Get off my case. I intended to. You see, we judge ourselves by our intentions and each other by our actions. I don't have to tell her I intended to take out the garbage. I have to take out the garbage. And so when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, I want my neighbor to be gracious with me. I want my neighbor to be kind. I want my neighbor to be forgiving. That's what I want. I want my neighbor to love God the Father, to submit to God the Father. Because I find that when my neighbor goes to the cross and I go to the cross, we can get along an awful lot better than when we're standing here. I find that when I go to the cross and I'm honest, yet again honest about everything that happens. And I go to the cross. And he says, good. But then what happens typically in our lives is we turn our back on the cross and now we engage people around us. Because we say, I've been there. And the problem with the I've been there statement is people say, how come I'm encountering you with the absence of the cross? I'm encountering you somehow in a as a non-redemptive person. But when I come to you through the cross... No matter what I see or hear, I don't judge you or condemn you. 
I love you, but we must be truthful. In our country, truth and reconciliation. See the orange shirt? As you discover bodies buried and hidden and churches, and it's not just the Catholic churches, other churches and Christians and truth. We must speak truth. And some people say it didn't even happen, it's not true, they deny it. I, I meet people like that all the time. In Rwanda, in 1994, there's a, a million people killed in a hundred during memorial times. And there's people there who say it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then you read the Holocaust and the Jews, six million people killed and, and people say it didn't, didn't happen. It's a story. It's fictitious. Why? Because it's too horrible to admit. Therefore, it didn't happen. I grew up that way. My life as a child was too horrible as a child, so I made up a new reality in myself. And that brought me to a totally dysfunctional way of relating with my wife and my sons. And then when I got honest with God the Father, truthful, truth and reconciliation. But what's it going to cost me? And Jesus says, what did it cost me? Hmm? You're negotiating now. What did it cost me? That's what it's going to cost you. But I'm going to lose everything. That's what it's going to cost you. People have lost everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And then love your neighbor as you want your neighbor to love you. There's a song that I listened to over and over again on our vacation, driving and listening to it. In the middle of the night, I was awakened because God kept ringing it through my head. And so I'm grateful that Greg can impromptu sing it and the worship team can do it. He always loves it when I do that. I'm famous for asking him the day before to sing a song that I've heard someplace. Am I right? Yeah. No, no, you don't have to sing it, Greg. You're okay. The song is by a group called Mercy Me. And it goes like this. There's got to be more than going back and forth from doing right to doing wrong because we were taught that's who we are. Come on and get in line with everybody thinking there's worth in what we do. What do you do? What do you do when you go to Rwanda? What do you do when you're here? What do you do? Then, like a hero who takes the stage, when we're on the edge of our seats, saying it's too late. Well, let me introduce you to amazing grace. Your life, wherever you are, you say, it's too late. I've gone too far. Made too many mistakes, hurt too many people. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. I've got to get my life together so I can come to church. I've got to get my life together so I can get baptized. I've got to get my life together so I can take communion. Come on. Get in line, everybody, and, and listen. This is what we believed over the years, and it's wrong. And our Father says, I sent my Son to die for you. You can't become holy. You can't become righteous. You can't become a good man. You can't. But... When you're honest and you come to me, I will come with my 
all the power. The creator of the universe is my father. Do you hear me? And death is Satan's strongest attack. Guess what? He loses again. Because when I go through that portal, you know the galaxies in the universe and all these stars that scientists are discovering? They're there. Is there life on another planet? Guaranteed. And I'm going to go visit. I'm going to visit. When I'm free from the bondage of this body, when I'm disembodied, I'm going to go visit. I'm going to travel around. Isn't it exciting? So when misery and things come here, where does my hope go? No matter, of course, no matter the bumps, no matter the bruises, no matter the scars, still the truth is, the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. Isn't that amazing? No matter the hurt, no matter how deep the wound is, whatever has happened to you, no matter the scars, still the truth is the cross has made, the cross has made you flawless. Could it possibly be that we simply can't believe that this unconditional kind of love would be enough to take a filthy wretch like me and wrap me up in righteousness? But that's exactly what he did. Take a breath and smile and say, Right here, right now, I'm okay. How can I say that? By not denying where I've been, what I've done, and who I am. And like a hero who takes the stage, when we're on the edge of our seats, saying it's too late. You see, this is too late. This situation is unredeemable. We love those stories and Suspense stories. This, it's too late. This guy's too old. No, this, you, you can't. You know, sometimes as I've come across the realization of things that I've taught for years, and I've, I met with somebody and they says, What do I do? How do I undo that? That was just wrong. And he says, Make a new choice. Don't spend your life trying to undo all that. Make a new choice. And now relate in a new way. If you go back and solve all this, you'd be hamstrung, you'd be, it'd be bad news. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And like a hero who takes the stage when we're on the edge of our seats saying, it's too late. Well, let me introduce you to grace. God's amazing grace. No matter what they say, no matter what you think you are, The day you called his name, 
He made you flawless. Isn't that absolutely crazy, amazing? And Satan does not want you to realize that or to live in that. And so when he wants to show us and throw us in front of us our wrongs and our sins, then we feel shame and remorse and we want to try and make it right. No, no, no. When he shows us the shame and our sins, we go back here. Confess and repent. The cross has made you flawless. The cross has made you flawless. When you see a flaw, we go back to the cross and we're flawless. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And now that you're flawless at the cross, love your neighbor as yourself. What a way to live. What a way to live. Hope is real, brothers and sisters. And one of the scribes came up. Put the verse up there again, please. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. We dispute with each other all the time. What's right? What's wrong? Can I do this? Can I not do that? Is this sin? Is that sin? And Jesus asked, what? love you, Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. We can love God unconditionally. People will disappoint and fail. When that happens, we forgive and bless. Amen. And we sometimes confront. I mean, I've had some very serious confrontations with some brothers in the last few years. Very, very serious And in the middle of one of those confrontations, I heard God speaking to me. And he's saying, Dave, you see what it's like when you're healthy. (laughs) In the middle of a crazy confrontation, you see what it's like when you're healthy? You see when you're not trying to make a point or prove a point, you're just obeying me? You can have this confrontation in love. And you don't take what he's saying personally. You forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. He thinks he's doing the right way, right thing. Forgive him. Love him and be kind. What a way to live. But don't move. God says, don't move from your position. Uh, 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 uh. How to confront in love. In love. The biggest thing, hurt that we can inflict on people, is say, I'm out of here. That's why God says, I hate Divorce, because it says, I'm out of here. We with each other. People coming and going, I'm out of here. In Rwanda in 1994, the missionaries and the white people all left. We're out of here. It's too messy. And you say, what can I do? What can I do? Well, taking some lessons from experiences and listening to people who've been there, they say it begins with prayer. Do you pray for us? Do you pray for other people? 
Do you pray? That's it. And if that's all you ever do, you will change the world. God will use you to change the world. That's his system. Do you pray? And when we love and when we pray, it's really hard to criticize and judge and condemn. Because now we're loving and praying. No matter the bumps, no matter the bruises. Do you know that song? Wow, that's okay, I'll forgive you. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Just in case you think I'm making this stuff up. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I know sometimes we're... Say Jesus is Lord. If you say Jesus is Lord, hallelujah, it'll all be okay. Guess what? But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. And it's not that complicated. It's just we need to be honest. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and your name perform many miracles, and build buildings and churches and hospitals and clinics, and give millions of dollars. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. If it's not about relationship, it's about nothing. Because when it's in relationship and you build hospitals and clinics and all those things, you don't stand there and say, this is what I did, this is what I did. You come humbly and say, you're so amazing. Your love is so amazing. Your grace is so amazing. And we love. We love our spouse, our children, and each other. I think I've unloaded Father, wait, just before I pray. Imagine for a minute, this is the opening of the sermon. There's something I wanted to say to you. Today we want to go on a journey, the longest journey on the planet. It's 18 inches from here to here. You're going to listen and debate and discuss or you're going to believe. This is the longest journey on the planet right here. The cross has made you flawless. And if, if you've never come to the cross, Jesus says, I'm, I'm still here. And whatever our messes and problems are, we can come to the cross. This is where we're flawless. And somebody wants to point out my wrong, and there's lots to point out. My wife, front of the line, could point it out. And I hide here. I hide here. Because here, I stand condemned. And when I look at you, and I know things about people, uh, I can get pretty much bent out of shape. Governments, whatever. But when I go here, my father, Creator of the universe. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. His government. He's the leader. So Father, thank you for your grace and your hope.
Holy Spirit, have your way in us and through us for your glory. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Father, heal the wounds. Wash us in your spirit. Wash us in the truth of your love and of your word. And Father, help us as a family, as a community here, to manifest the love of God to each other, to disenfranchise people, to the people that society and cultures throws out. Father, to the people that churches throw out, help us to be gracious and loving, not condemning. And Father, where I have misrepresented you, spoken so out of place, please forgive me. Do not allow that to stick with the people here. Thank you, Father. Amen.